I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Back for another edition of the Canton and Simiu show. Uh, that means joining me is the brilliant, the one and only Mr. Tom Canton from the Guna Talk TV and Football uh, London. Tom, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, man. Good, good. I love that the fact you introduced me that way because it means I know that you're stepping me up for next week. So I've now got to interview you in some kind of brilliant fashion. So uh, that's, uh, that's good. There's, there's always a plan. You know, there's oh, always yeah. a, there was an ulterior motive. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, good to see you, man. Uh, I don't think we did one of these last week, did we? We didn't. We didn't get around. No, to it. we did. A, we did. Obviously, I think we did a show with Dan and so. That's right. That's right. That's right. You are correct. Um, yeah, we try and do these as as much as we possibly can, but obviously sometimes work just gets in the way, um, and and that's just the way it is. But next week's edition, or the next edition, whenever we get to do it, hopefully next week, will be on Tom's uh, Guna Talk TV channel. Now, the link is in the title and in the description. So if you could kindly click on it and go over and subscribe there if you haven't done so already. I know a lot of you are subscribed across both channels, but if you're uh, not on the Guna Talk TV, then make sure you do get over there and check it out because there is fantastic content. And Tom gets up every day and puts on a show for you guys at 8 a.m. I'm always in awe uh, of that because, as I always say, I don't think I could do it. So fair play to you. Hats <laughs> off. Uh, Tom, look, let's get into it, mate, because there's a lot to discuss, as always. Let's start with the Rafinha stuff. Uh, I thought that my day was done yesterday. I went in the house. I put my feet up. I even thought about tuning into Love Island. I, uh, you know, I poured myself a drink mm. and bang, David Ornstein comes out with a tweet and a piece uh, talking about Rafinha. And I thought, better get back down to the man cave and put out a little video. Now, it was just a video, so our audio listeners won't have seen that. But I did talk briefly uh, about that situation. Obviously, Arsenal lodged a bid for Rafinha that was said to be well below what mm. Leeds are looking for. Leeds have since rejected that bid, as we're told today. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling about this situation overall. Has it come as a surprise to you that Arsenal have actually gone that far? Um, what do you think is a, a fair price for Rafinha? There's so much we can kind of unpick from this. Yeah, um, yeah, I am a bit surprised, to be honest. Like, you know, Arsenal are going to go for a wide forward. But, you know, with the links to... Uh... Cody Gakpo and, and players like this, I thought that would be the more sensical Arsenal-style move, not going for, you know, one of the top Premier League options in that position. And he is one of the top Premier League options in that position. So I think that that's kind of evidence and with how much Arsenal are clearly pushing to try and get this deal done. And the intention that they've got is it shows, again, the, the you know, the method behind this window and, and what we want to see from this Arsenal team and this Arsenal board and recruitment group is is a real ambition in the market. And I think a move for Rafinha is definitely evidence of that. I think he's a player that would add so much quality to, to you know, what we've already got. I think immediately you think, well, what's going to happen to Bakaya Saka? But we know Saka's first time left can play in different positions. But also, you know, I've talked heavily about the idea that we shouldn't be replacing players. We should be strengthening the team. We should be bringing in competitors for each role. And and Rafinha definitely does bring that. What do you think is a fair price then? Because we have no idea, really. Well, I don't anyway. I don't know if you know anymore what the actual offer was. Um, all we know, it was well below what Leeds are looking for. What do you think is a fair price for Rafinha? Because as much as I like the player, and I've talked about him 
before. I, I remember I did a show a little while ago with Mike where we kind of looked at what we would do in the transfer window. And he was one of the players on my list. But I do have like a limit with Rafinha in terms of the price I'd be willing to pay. Do you have a limit? And, and what do you think is a fair price in order to part with to get this guy in the door? I always worry about putting limits on things because ultimately, like, I don't know how much would have to be paid to then affect what else we need to do in the market, if that makes sense. Like, if mm. you spend, say, 70, 80 million on Rafinha, does that mean you can't get, say, Lissandra Martinez? In which case, I think he's such an important target for us, Martinez, that I wouldn't sacrifice him for Rafinha if you could get, say, a Gakpo or a Diaby for, so for something cheaper than that. Um, I think the bid was around 30 million um, from the sounds of things. So I'm not surprised that was rejected because that was the price that basically Barca were willing to go to. I, it came across as a bit of a bid as Arsenal testing the waters and being like, well, is he actually keen about moving and would he move if we put in the same price kind of Barca went in for it? It's a bit strange. I had a lot of people in my chat box this morning kind of asking why would we put in a bid that's well below you know, the asking price. And I have some sympathy for the people that are frustrated by that as well, because we, you know, we've been burned so many times in the past by doing PTSD. 40, 40 plus one, you know, and, and stuff like that. So as yeah, uh, lead uh, Aguna in there, just saying 30 plus one in the chat box is it's, it's part and parcel of, of Arsenal history in the transfer market. So I can understand the frustration in terms of how high I would go. It's, it's difficult. I think I wouldn't go over 60 million pounds um, for Rafinha. But I would pay 50 um, for him. I think that's that's what the going rate of a starting, trending Premier League goal-scoring wide forward is right now. Um, and I'm I'm absolutely fine with, with going to that 50 million. If that's 45-plus add-ons, as Harvey says in the chat, then yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I'm about around about the same. I'm around about the 50 million pound mark. I'd, I'd probably stretch to 55 as well if that was what was necessary to get the deal over the line. Because I do think he's a good player and I do think he's someone that would add a lot to the squad. You're also talking about someone who's, you know, we've we've tended to go for in recent windows, players of a, a younger age and players that are still sort of developing. And I'm not saying Rafinha's old, I think he's 25, but he's still got, you know, he's still got room to grow, but he's also at a very good and solid level now, which is something I'm keen for us to add outputs are there even in a, a weak Leeds United side and you'd hope that at a club like Arsenal he could thrive and go on to that next level I think mm. going back to that point though about the bid and about people sort of being worried and, and frustrated by the fact that we've seemingly got nowhere near hitting the mark as far as Leeds are concerned it does go back to a bit of sort of transfer PTSD if you like mm. doesn't it as an Arsenal yeah. fan base because of some of the things that we've seen happen in the past but it is common for clubs to go in and low ball first up. It's kind of, you know, I said this on my my short video last night. If this was any other club, we'd probably look at this and go, well, that's just normal procedure. But because it's Arsenal and because of what's happened in the past, there is a worry and a concern. But what it does is it sends a message to Rafinha, doesn't it? That, you know, mm. we're, we're dead serious. Are you? And, and it kind of encourages Rafinha's people to start pushing from their side as well, if this is a move that they want to make. Um, and, and I think that that can only be a good thing. Hopefully we can bridge that gap. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but last summer we bid for Ben White a number of times before we, we got a deal done, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we low-balled uh, like, you know, £40 million, I think, to start off with, maybe lower than that. Um, Brighton were always like, it's £50 million or nothing, you ain't getting him. They don't need to sell. They didn't have to sell. Um, 
which is different, I think, with the Leeds situation. I think Leeds would have more pressure to sell on them because there's reports coming out that, you know, that they don't really want to stand in his way of, of moving. If he wants to move, they feel of what he's given them, you know, helping them stay up in the Premier League. He's kind of earned a way to move. So when when Brighton turned around and said 50, we were like 40, no, 45, no, okay, 50, and we'll pay it. And, and you know, we got it in. And, you know, Ben White was an investment and had a really good season last season. So I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. What do you make of the interest in Rafinha rumoured from some of the other clubs? Because obviously people talk about Barcelona being his preference, but we know that Barcelona financially, right now anyway, unless they they sort of restructure things or move players on, cannot afford what Leeds is asking prices. We've heard that Chelsea have explored the possibility. We're hearing that Tottenham could mm. be interested and have notified, according to Fabrizio Romano, have notified Leeds of their intention to make a bid. How concerned are you by this competition? Yeah, naturally concerned. Um, Arsenal are in a weak position not being in the Champions League. And if Chelsea decide they want to move for the player, if I take my Arsenal hat off, you know, Chelsea is the obvious choice between the two teams. You get Champions League football, you've got a team that have got ambitions of trying to win a title well ahead of, of Arsenal. So I absolutely think it, it's, it's a concern. Arsenal are being aggressive in the market this summer because they know they don't have that kind of riding for them this summer. They hope they might have done with how the season finished last year, but they didn't. And now we're in a position where they need to be aggressive. They've gone out and got some early signings. Hopefully that's done with the mindset of going and, and saying, look what we're doing. You know, we're being aggressive in the market. We're going and bringing in more players. We've got ambitions to try and push towards higher goals. That's why you should, you know, sign on to the Arsenal project, if you will. But Spurs doesn't necessarily worry me. The, the, the worrying factor about Spurs is always going to be Antonio Conte and the pool that he's got. Um, but, you know, the players they're being linked to, the main players like Richarlison, Jed Spence, they've already signed Perisic. They've already obviously got Pesuma as well. You know, they're not players that necessarily really worry me. Jed Spence doesn't worry me. Perisic doesn't. And Richarlison certainly doesn't either. I thought they would push for higher signs. That's not to say those guys, you know, aren't decent footballers. And Pesuma is a very good footballer. Um, and I think that when it comes to what we're trying to do in the market and you consider... Gabriel Jesus, Rafinha, um, you know, Fabio Vieira, one of the most exciting Portuguese talents that's come out of Porto. You know, when I spoke to people based there, that they're, they're mad that he's gone, you know, absolutely mad that he's gone and, and think Arsenal have got a real steal at, at £34 million for someone like him. Lissandro Martinez, you know, you look at his stats, we did a tactical breakdown on him yesterday. He shines, like he absolutely out, outstrikes Gabriel in so many areas, even aerially, despite being quite short. So if we can get, those types of uh, of players in, and I'm looking at the the competition. I think that should be a sign to any potential targets that look Arsenal being very serious this summer. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm not overly concerned about Spurs. Um, you know, I think that as I've been saying over the last few weeks, like look, Spurs have have done some good business so far. There's no there's no denying that. Some of the players they brought in, I do think, will add um, you know positives to their team and to their squad, but. I do feel like at Spurs, given Antonio Conte's sort of tendency to not stick around at places, it is all being built on a very in, what's the word, on an un, I don't know, unstable structure. Mm, like yeah. it's kind of being built on the premise of this guy Vulnerable, staying yeah. and taking him to a level that I'm not sure he's going to stick around long enough to do. So I think Arsenal would be the more appealing option. Champions League football is obviously a thing, but, you know, do you take one year's Champions League football in exchange for what could potentially be sustainable success moving forward on a project that you 
perhaps believing a little bit more. So I, d- I don't really worry about them. Chelsea as well. I'm not too sure that they're massively keen on this. Like I know that the report says that, you know, Rafinha's preference would be mm. Barcelona and then Chelsea, but you can only pick a preference from what is a viable option, right? Like I, I've used this analogy a million and one times, but I'm going to use it again. I'd love to go out with Jennifer Lopez over most people, but it ain't going to happen. It's not possible. So there's no point in it being my preference. I'll back you. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what, Tom? I'll tell you what, if I have a little shave and a, and a haircut, maybe, but mm. and lose a, lose a few stone as well. But no, just kidding. Um, but the point I'm trying to make here is that there's no point in sort of obsessing over something that isn't even a possibility. And I don't really feel at this stage that Chelsea is a realistic one. And, and Barcelona, unless they get their act together, isn't going to be... Uh, his next destination either. Um, David Ornstein said today that it's going to be a long, it could be a long and difficult process based on the competition. I'm almost in this place now in the transfer window. Well, we're great. You know, we're, we're looking to do business and a week or two ago, it looked like we were very quiet and people were starting to get concerned and worried. But with that then comes a, and almost a clamour to see Arsenal do things quickly. And we kind of got to temper our expectations as to the fact that this can take a while with with numerous deals, right? How are you handling that? Because I'm struggling. Yeah, I mean, when you do a show every day, as we do, you know, it's tough. Uh, I mean, the morning shows have now got a Gabriel Jesus daily update, effectively, at this point, because even though there's not loads happening, you know, with that, because it's a case of, you know, it's... to my understanding, you know, it's like this close to, to, you know, to happening. You know, we could see an announcement of an agreement this week. It's it's that close. Um, I think that we want to see updates every day. And also when you see like what we've seen the last week, that only makes things worse because, you know, Arsenal are now being linked with four or five players in the space of a week. We haven't seen this at the amount of activity in the, at the start of a window for a, a long time, if ever. So then there becomes greater expectations every day for more news to drop. Or, you know, when we sign Fabio Vieira out of absolutely nowhere, or we do the deals for Callum Chambers that went to Villa for nothing. Um, Matt Ryan came out of nowhere. Austin Trusty came out of nowhere. And that's because Arsenal are implementing a strategy. I wrote a piece on this yesterday, you know, revealing that. And it's working and we can expect that happen to we can expect that to happen more but there's still always going to be a frustration that something doesn't drop big every day and we're obviously refreshing our twitter feeds and following all the same people hoping that they're going to reveal something or they would have found something online but it's it's never going to be realistic to expect all of our business to be done before pre-season i'm just hoping that the priority deals are yeah i agree with you I, you know it, again and I've spoken to friends over the last few days and kind of the general consensus is, you know, let's get it done before preseason. But as you say, it's not realistic to expect all of the business to be done by that point. I think that later on in the window, you tend to see a bit more movement because people become desperate to sell, desperate to sign. So they then are willing to compromise a little bit more in order to get things over the line. Plus other movement takes place, which can then potentially facilitate other deals. There's so much uh, still to happen in this transfer window. And we've got to be patient, as you say. And uh, to a degree, trust in the process. And talking about trusting in the process, I know people cringe when I say that, which is why I love throwing it out there. Edu sat down and gave uh, an interview, which was released shortly after the Fabio Vieira announcement. Um what did you make of that? I don't want to go through it word for word because mm. people will have seen it and read yeah. the quotes from it. But what was your kind of takeaway from that? Um, he looks optimistic, as, as you would expect, you know, about business being done. 
Uh, I like the fact that even though we, you know, the interview was about signing Fabio Vieira, that they weren't afraid to talk about signings. You know, if they weren't confident of getting business done, it would have been, what are your thoughts on Fabio Vieira? What does it say about the club? You know, um, where's he going to fit into the team? All the, you know, the specific stuff. And then they just didn't talk about the possibility of, you know, upcoming weeks. You know, I, I feel that's a good sign, um, an optimistic and positive sign. Yes, Arsenal, as Sophie will tell us, are brilliant at PR. We know that. Um, but, it, I, I think it is worth being optimistic about. I like the way that he spoke. Edu gets a lot of bad rap. You know, he gets, I think there's a lot of hyperbole around him in a negative way. Uh, I think that he's been part of what Mikel Arteta has tried to do and change at the club in terms of recruitment that you consider like the, the billion that we've spent on transfers and how much since, say, 2007 when the Cronkies come in has been spent well. It's not a lot. You know, I use the example that I can count on my hands, you know, the number of good players that we've brought. I say good, but I mean progressive players, you know, players that are going to take, which aim to take the club somewhere when they came in. And yet, when you look at what's happened in the last two summer windows and now moving into these summer windows and, and, and the third one under Arteta, you can start, we're going over into double figures, hopefully this summer, in, in terms of players that have been signed to progress this team forwards. And, and you know, also seeing like someone like William Saliba come back, and, you know, Edu and Mikel would have been part of that. Edu, as we know, went out and watched him in, in, in France. They would have had to convince him that this is still the right place for him. You know, Edu is, is going to be part of that as well. Yes, they made mistakes with Saliba in the past, but I don't care about those mistakes if we get it right now when it matters and it looks like that we might. So, yeah, I think that he gets a lot of undue criticism, but we will rightly criticise him come the end of the window if we've not got the business done that we need to. It looks all happy-clappy now because we're being linked with Rafinha and Gabriel Jesus and Lissandra Martinez, but if we don't get that business done, then quite rightly, you know, then we'll turn around. We're all speaking hypothetically at this point, which is, it means next to nothing in the end goal if you haven't followed through on, on those hypotheticals. There's also a good chance, isn't there, that we go out and bring in players that were on nobody's radar as well as alternatives to some of the big names that we're being linked with. I mean, you know, you, you cast your mind back to a few days ago, Yuri Tielemans was, in some people's opinion, a done deal. That one was was going to happen by the end of June, we were told. And now it looks like that is is sort of falling away in terms of its likelihood. And then out of nowhere, Fabio Vieira comes out of the, the, the sort of woodwork and he's here and he's signed for the Arsenal. So we've got to kind of prepare ourselves as fans for the fact that we might be working on something that we just don't know anything about. And it's almost dangerous, isn't it, to get too invested in players that aren't your players at this stage and almost shut yourself off to other possibilities. Yeah, uh, I think we may see that, you know, with the Yuri Tillman situation, um, because that looks near dead at this point. Um it's a case, I know that David Ornstein said it's it's like one of those where Arsenal may have a feeling that if if he's open and he hasn't getting that much interest, um, that they may be able to go back in for him later on. But right now, it, it just doesn't look like a realistic deal for Arsenal, I, I think. And you've seen, you know, a report about Fabian Ruiz come out recently as well. I think Arsenal will be looking at alternatives. You know, there is a, it's not just Edu and Arteta and Richard Garlic. There is a massive team of analysts and scouts behind the scenes. They've recruited uh, a lot of really high up scouts from other clubs like Bayern Munich. Um, there's one that's coming from France, one in from Spain. Uh, there's one based domestically in the UK as well that's come in in the last kind of 18 months. So they've really pushed to, to, to improve the recruitment squad. Um, and I think that when we obsess over a player like Tielemans and it doesn't happen, we're obviously left very disappointed. You know, we've, we've seen that in the past. I've, I've done it, you know, I've done it with players like Dominic Zoboslai, for instance, that became like a meme on the channel. 
uh, Marco Asensio being another one as well, ironically we've been linked with again this summer. So you can't obsess around it. Patrick Shit was another one from this summer. I really wanted to see us go for someone like that, at striker. He's now signed a contract at, uh, by Leverkusen. I was tweeted by about a million people saying that he'd signed a new deal. So you can't get too... Buendia's another one, says Nas in the chat. Yeah, like Buendia last summer was a massive one at the beginning of the window. Similar. Yeah, one. absolutely. Many. <laughs> um, and I and I think that Martin Erdegaard turned out way better than what we could have hoped for with Buendia at, at, at Villa. And I'm I'm happy that we got Erdegaard over Buendia. So um, in the end, look at the end of the day, I'm I'm glad that that we've moved the way we have, and I'm hoping that I I have faith that they will choose the right targets and get the right targets in this summer. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Uh, before we continue through uh, the show, and I'm going to ask you guys to start popping some questions in the live chat box. Put a little cue at the beginning. Makes it easier for us to pick them out. Um, but I just want to remind you guys that if you haven't done so already, make sure, first of all, you head over to the Guna Talk TV. You can click on the link via the title uh, in this video, or there is one in the description as well. Give Tom's channel a subscribe. There's brilliant daily Arsenal content on there. You don't want to miss it, particularly during the transfer window where he keeps you across everything bright and early every morning. What more could you want? Uh, also, though, please do hit that like button because there are over 740 of you with us live on YouTube alone right now, but we've only got 121 likes on the board. That is not good enough. Let's set an initial target, come on, of 300 likes. Let's get there ASAP and then maybe we can uh, move a little bit higher in our ambitions there. Just wanted to highlight a couple of comments before we go over to the questions. Uh, big thank you to the Fort Lauderdale Gooner Craig uh, for his kind super chat. He says, Harry, you could totally pull J-Lo. I know, I know. I was just being more I love that he leaves me out of that, you know, just <laughs> I have no chance. Leader <laughs> uh, Guna says, Jennifer Simeon doesn't sound too bad, I guess. Mm, I don't know. Doesn't really have a ring to it, does it? No. Um, and uh, Rob Segal uh, says, and it makes an interesting point, and I wanted to ask you about this, Tom, which is why I highlighted mm. this comment. He says he listened to Tim Vickery on TalkSport this morning, and he seriously questions whether we are Rafinha's first choice. Also, he's concerned that Jesus prefers playing wide right. So let's tackle that in two parts. Mm. The bit about Rafinha's first choice, we kind of talked about it already, but isn't mm. there an argument that you might not always be someone's first choice when going into a negotiation. And part of your job is to persuade them that this is the place. Yeah. If you only sign players that you were the first choice of that player, you know, you're, you're going to come out of a window worse off than you went into it. Um, it's just not realistic, especially where, where Arsenal are right now as a club. You know, there are going to be a lot of other clubs that are preferred destinations over us. Uh, it's about that's that's where the challenge comes. And that's where the real praise will come. If we get someone like Rafinha, is we were able to get him in despite us not being his initial preference and that we push through for a deal for someone like that, despite those barriers being there. So I think that is is, is worthy of even more praise when you pull off deals like that. Um, when it comes to the second part of the question about Gabriel Jesus, uh, I, I thought it was a really interesting kind of breakdown from Tim Vickery on Sky when he did it. Um, I think he said he what he spoke to the Brazilian coach about it and, and Gabriel said he prefers to play, you know, in, in a wider position. I... I, whilst I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go against what Tim said and say that, you know, that's not true. What I do think is I think that Gabriel may relish the challenge um, of playing at the number nine position if he was at a different club, you know, and told this is going to be you for the future. You're going to be the Arsenal's number nine. Um, I think he would see that as a as an opportunity to maybe refurbish his career, rebrand himself a little bit, um, specialise in that striker role. 
But Arteta Ar- 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 in particular loves versatile players. He loves players that can play in multiple roles, that can cover different positions. So Jesus brings him that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't concern me that, you know, he prefers playing in a wide area because I think people are overlooking the Eddie Nketiah situation a bit. I think people maybe are underestimating how many games he might play for us at striker next season. And I know that that's not going to um, please the damn potsies of this world, as we know uh, from our WhatsApp group. But um, if he does put in the goals in the form that we saw at the end of last season, he will end the season next year with numbers that if we signed a player that puts in those type of numbers, we'd be delighted. So we have to be, I, I'm you know, open to the idea of, of seeing what's capable next year. My opinion on the whole Gabriel Jesus through the middle thing is, is that actually Gabriel Jesus does want to play through the middle. I think that when he first came through, that's what he was, right? When he first joined Manchester City, he was being, you know, he was being, um, he was being put across as Sergio Aguero's replacement. That's what he was kind of marketed as, right? He was coming in to eventually take on what Sergio Aguero had been doing for all those years. And I think actually what may have happened, and again, you know, Tim Vickery knows better than me, but this is just my opinion is that he may have lost a bit of confidence because of the fact that he was in and out of the side, because of the fact that at times people were critical of his performances. And that can make you almost fearful of playing as a centre-forward, particularly in an environment like Brazil, where there is so much pressure to win all the time. And maybe he felt that he could impact the game without as much pressure and without as much reliance being placed upon him to deliver the goals for that side if he was playing from the right-hand side. I don't think Mikel Arteta would have moved for this player without knowing that he could fit in the role that he wants him to fit. We know they have a relationship. We know that that relationship is probably going to be key in trying to get him across here. And I think that Mikel Arteta, having worked with him day to day on the training ground, will know all about his attributes, will know all about his where his head's at, and, and will be, if not certain that he wants to play there now, will be certain he can convince him to play there and, uh, and as you say, it might not always be that rigid. You know, it might sometimes be Eddie Nketiah up front with Jesus from one of the flanks. You might sometimes see Arsenal play with false nine. I think that the kind of big key point to take away from what we've read and understood of this window so far is that, as you say, versatility is right at the top of the wish list. That is, mm. that is key to Mikel Arteta. And Gabriel Jesus offers you that centre-forward option but also gives you that ability to to switch things around as well. So I'm not massively and overly concerned about that. I've got to be honest. But, you know, every signing, Tom, has a degree of risk to it, doesn't it? And um, you just kind of have to accept that. Yeah, of course it does. Um, There's never going to be a guarantee. You know, Erling Haaland is not guaranteed to succeed. I mean, some players will have a smaller, you'd assume, degree of risk because of who they are. But I mean... You know, you look at Lionel Messi go to PSG, that's arguably in his in his prime the best player in the world, still very, very good in the season that he left Barca, going to what was perceived to be a league that you would think that he may be able to thrive in more than La Liga, and it didn't happen. Um, sure got a lot of assists, but wasn't able to impact games maybe as much as, as people expected. It's happened loads and loads of times with players that have, have made a move and it's not worked. I mean, when Shevchenko went to Chelsea, you know, stuff like this, it's just not worked out at times so there's always going to be a risk but Arsenal as we I think we've seen through their recent deals do a lot of of pre you know assessments and 
they, they do a lot of scouting, a lot of analysis on players, checking with, you know, people around them. They go beyond just what's going on the football pitch. They go into their kind of personal life. They go into what are they like as a person? What's their attitude, their personality? I mean, that's why quickly I think people discussed Rafinha's um, kind of personalities, attitude issues. I don't think he's got attitude issues at all. I think you speak to Leeds fans, they think his attitude is brilliant, you know, the way he applies himself on the pitch. And Jesus is the same. You know, I think Jesus had a, a poor World Cup, as as Tim talked about, and has re- recovered from that, all the while being linked with a move away from Man City, was starting to bang in goals for Man City at the end of last season. It shows that mentality of him. So, yeah, there's always going to be a risk, but... <laughs> That, you, that can't be a reason to not go for yeah. a player. You can talk yourself out of anyone if you really mm. want to. Um, let's take some of the questions then. JW says, you say Jesus, uh, the winger, would relish playing at centre-forward. What about Pepe? We know he can score uh, numbers when given a chance are better than Jesus's. But hey, um, I look, I just think that the Nicolas Pepe story at Arsenal is done. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think he's talented. I think there's a good chance he goes somewhere else and rediscovers the form that he showed in previous years. I think he's unpredictable. I think he gives you a lot of what you need in the final third. But it's just not, this is just not going anywhere, is it, Tom? No. Um, I, I, the way I describe Pepe is I've never seen someone so technically gifted with such a poor first touch. And that's one of the reasons why he couldn't play striker for me. Um, because in the Premier League, You've got to work in the smallest of spaces to succeed as, as a forward. You know, you've got to take the ball into feet. You've got to turn. You've got to strike it. And whilst Pepe has done that in occasion, as we saw in the Wolves game, for instance, um, and the goal he scored there, his, his touch just isn't enough. Um, his instinct isn't enough. And despite having that great technical ability and the ability to beat a man, he, he can't beat more than a man most of the time. Um, and, and I think that is a bit of a problem with him. You can't just start putting square pegs and round holes when you've got such an important season coming up. And the confidence of Pepe is on the floor. Arteta is just not sold on him at all. Um, but I can't fault the guy's attitude. You know, he came back from the African Cup of Nations. He fought for his place uh, on the in the Middle Eastern training camp. You know, came off the bench in the Wolves game, scored. And despite not having the best of performances from the bench sometimes, uh, the game against Aston Villa obviously sticks in my mind. The game against Leeds, I think, where obviously he was, you know, on the halfway line with open goal. He, he cuts back that meme that went around. You know, I, I think he there's a player there, but just not for Arsenal. Um, and it's just for somewhere else. But yeah, it's it's gonna he's gonna move on. He changed agents this summer with the aim of moving on. So I think it will be later on in the window because I just think his wages are too much of a problem and someone eventually will pounce and Arsenal again may end up paying a portion of those wages to to get him off the books. Yeah, or the player might have to concede Maybe. somewhere along the line in order to make that happen. You never know. Mm. Um, what do you make of this? Um, you know, th- there is some concern among Arsenal fans, and I know some of the, the talk that's been doing the rounds in, in recent days has kind of dismissed a little bit of that. But what do you make of people that are concerned, or, or what do you make of the opinion that Arsenal are f- not quite executing some of these deals because they're trying to sell first? I- I'm not sure that that's the case. I feel like Arsenal mm. have shown in the last couple of windows that they're accepting of the fact that past mistakes are past mistakes and they need to invest in order to get back to where they want to be. What, what do you make of that? Because there is still a bit of that floating around on sort of social media. Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a long answer. It's just Arsenal are Arsenal will sell when they sell, um, but they are putting into place their plan to buy players as soon as they feasibly can if they agree that the target is the right one. And if you look at our players that we're going to sell this summer, they are 
prime end of window sales. Um, they are not early deal done kind of sales. They are opportunities for clubs to get cheaper deals at the end of a window. That's that's what they are. When Arsenal are more desperate to get them off the books and clubs know that they'd have to pay more now, they'll know that they'd just be happy to wait, especially European clubs where the pressure isn't the same as on the Premier League teams at the start of a season. You know, they, are, they will be happy to wait. And it's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go over uh, to the chat again. A very, very kind super chat donation from the Gunner Down Under. Thank you uh, so, so much. He says, Eddie's business New is barbecue, strictly... Though. What's that, mate? It's just a new barbecue, that is. <laughs> yeah, well, well it's, a, it's probably one round of meat for me. Uh, mm, true. <laughs> uh, he says that uh, Eddie's business is strictly an investment one. Lose him now for free or re-sign him on five million a year or break square minimum in a year or two if it doesn't work out. We did the same with Saka and Martinelli. Gave them huge spells right before contract renewals. Uh, I'm guessing he means we gave them sort of runs in the side and, and sort of really put faith in them. It does feel like the Inketia thing is partly being done because of that as well, right? The, the protection of the investment, something that Arsenal have been so bad at in recent seasons. You can't rule out the possibility that 12 months down the line, Arsenal say, this isn't working. Eddie says this isn't working. And we do end up selling him and we'd have lost him for free. So it isn't the worst thing in the world, is it? No. And I also think that the idea of Arsenal signing two strikers this summer was was unrealistic um, if we're going for a wide forward as well. You know, Rafinha, Gabriel, Jesus, it's going to cost you about 100 million. And then you've still got to bring in the midfielder that we want. The uh, You know, we clearly wanted an attacking midfielder in Fabio Vieira that's cost us 34 million pounds. Um, the defender that we want in a Martinez-style, versatile defender, um, Turner's cost us money. Uh, Marquinhos has cost us money. And then you've got all the expenditure of, of everybody else that is already at the club in terms of wages and um, and others that we may end up having to pay off as well. And we've still got like, you know, installments for other players like Pepe to still pay off this summer. So, you know, the idea that we would then go out and spend another 30, 40, 50 million on a striker was not realistic. So if you can get a striker that has Premier League experience, that's got five goals in the last eight starts, sign on to a new deal on five years and then you can still bring in Gabriel Jesus and Rafinha, which of course are still ifs. We don't know if that's happening, but if we can do that, then you're going to look back at the end of the window and go, it does make sense because it just wasn't feasible or, or realistic to think Arsenal could go out and spend an extra 30, 40, 50 million on another striker. And as our son in the chat says, it is assuming that we get them. And this is the thing with these questions now, obviously, is we can only speak hypothetically, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, what will happen, especially with us, Harry, sometimes and others that speak like-mindedly, is that things that we say hypothetically now can get picked up in two months' time as going, but you said this. The thing is that we, we can only speak hypothetically about this stuff right now. Um, and, and I hope that we get Jesus and Rafinha done because I think they'd be two excellent additions to the squad. Um, if we don't, then trust me, you'll see us, or at least I can speak for myself, you'll see me you know, throwing out some criticism that we didn't get the deals done that we needed to. But I think that's important to add. For sure. A big thank you to the gunner down under. Uh, thank you so much, mate. Next barbecue is on you. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. Uh, John Bayliss says, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Tom. What is it that you know about the Yuri Tielemans bid that you aren't telling us? I've had people in my chat box the last few days telling me to turn up at your door and shake it out of you. Really? Um, <laughs> what is going on with Yuri Tielemans? Okay, look. We don't know, but what do you believe is the snag here? Because it clearly is some sort of issue. 
Yeah, like so. So it's I, I'm, there's no harm in me repeating stuff I said on my show. Like as I said before, like and and you'll know this because you know you you get told things um, now and again. Um, although I did like your exclusive yesterday, or the, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday about you know we will sign players before the end of the window. I thought that was a great exclusive. To be fair, make sure you're following Harry on Twitter. Arsenal will make an announcement before the yeah. end of the window. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which came true. It came true yesterday. So you were right. Yeah. You got you got to applause that. I was only that. a day out as well. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, as, as, as I said, like, you know, you receive information here and then it, when you get when when you're in a place where sometimes information comes through, like you have to respect the person that has given you that info. You know, you can't you can't share it all because they they trust you with that info um, and they trust and you have discussions about what you can and cannot talk about and stuff. But what I try to do is I try to to be fair to the listeners whenever I talk about that stuff is to um, throw out questions um to the chat box and be like question why this is happening and so for the telemann situation i said question why the fact that you know personal terms are not a problem with telemann's you know he he wants to come to arsenal arsenal are happy to pay what his, his his demands are um it's not an issue personal terms aren't a problem at all but we've not bid for him and we have you know we we never put a bid in to Leicester. Leicester have never received an official offer from Arsenal. So you have to question why wouldn't we do that? You know, we're putting a bid in for Rafinha. So that should, and I think Clive put the tweet out yesterday, which I absolutely agree with, is we would not be bidding for Rafinha if he was not open to the idea of coming to Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal were never going to bid for a player that they think that, you know, that the player isn't. So with the whole Vlaovic situation, you know, we were never putting an official offer into Fiorentina because we, you know, we couldn't agree we couldn't get to the player to agree a deal with him. So because we've now put officially a bid in for Rafinha, you know, personal terms for him aren't going to be an issue. We wouldn't be going in for a player that we know we get a bid accepted and then the player turns us down. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So you have, that's, that's what I would say to people is just, just question why we haven't bid despite personal terms not being a problem. Does that, I hope that, you know, I'm trying to be no, as fair no. as I can to be fair. Yeah. I mean, I'll go ahead and say, I think that there is, an issue with the people involved in the deal as opposed to one with Leicester or one with Arsenal um, or one with Yuri Tielemans. I think that in these deals, there are a number of parties involved and sometimes that can be a problem. And and I, I guess that there is something along those lines that is causing this uh, to stall and has, has caused Arsenal to go, well, look, we're not completely shutting the door on this, but we've got other things to be getting on with and we're not mm. going to be consumed um, in, in a deal that might not even happen. Um, so yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see how that plays out. And and it goes back to what I always say, which is these things are a hell of a lot more complicated than people sort of care to admit. Um, look, just a quick reminder, guys, and I've said it already, but please do hit that like button because we're closing in on a thousand live viewers at the moment, and we're nowhere near it on the likes. We're only on 231. Let's get that up to Come 500. On, Come on. Come on. It really, really does help. Um, just, just to address that, oh, I saw a comment from yeah. um, Deep Singh uh, who said, we haven't bid because it's a smokescreen. Forget mm. Tielemans and Rafinha. Like, it's not a smokescreen. You know, our, the priority central midfield signing was Tielemans. Tielemans was, Arteta has liked Tielemans for a long time. You know, when I was speaking to uh, a friend of mine, Ben Jacobs at CBS Sports, you know, he jumped onto TGT and before anyone reported it, broke the news that Arteta wanted Tielemans, you know. And then that story has fed through and it's it's, it's uh, developed throughout the season. And, you know, they've had this, they've had discussions for ages. Arsenal have wanted Tielemans for ages. Um, it's just not working out right now. Um, the deal's not working out. Rafinha, you know, we bid. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a smokescreen. You know, terms are no issue. 
we've bid. Um, that's that's a deal that Arsenal want to get done quickly. Um, I don't think they will. I think it'll be one that drags. But you know, I'm hope I'm wrong, and we and we can sort something out. But I think he's going to wait for to see what else happens with Barca. If they sell Frankie de Jong, then they get a little bit of money in, and then who knows? So um, yeah. we'll wait and see. Yeah, and it's almost like as well, people have kind of been conditioned by the way football manager works into thinking that that's how transfers work. So in an ideal world, the kind of the classy way to go about a transfer is to approach the club first, make your offer, come to an agreement with the club and then move on to agreeing personal terms with the player and then hopefully completing that transfer. But we all know that it doesn't work like that anymore. We all know that clubs don't even want to sort of print the paper, type the email, whatever, mm-hmm. to send that offer unless they have an idea that that player is interested. And they'll do that indirectly. They'll go through intermediaries. That's why football's become such a an almost deep sea of mess when it comes to kind of these transfers and why it can be so, so complicated. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I don't think that these or the Rafinha bid would have been made if he had turned around and said, I only want to go to Chelsea or Barcelona and I prefer Spurs yeah. over Arsenal. Arsenal wouldn't be wasting their time. You know, they clearly feel that this can get done. And, and obviously with, with Yuri Tiedemann, as I agree with you, I don't think it was a smokescreen. I think that he's a player that Arsenal are interested in, but he's not somebody that they look at and go, well, we're going to be essentially bent over to make this deal happen. No, you know, we're going to, we're not going to have yeah. our pants pulled down here. We're going to make sure that we get it in, in what we believe to be fair terms. So that's really, really important as well. And like, if you think back to January, the Vlaovic thing, like at no point did you see like a credible source come out and say Arsenal have made an official offer to Fiorentina. Yeah. And it didn't happen because they didn't get the go-ahead from from Vlaovic that he would join. It was the whole, the whole January was all about trying to convince Vlaovic to come to us. So when he came out with those comments that was like, I didn't know about, I'm sorry, but that's a load of BS that is. That's just so much BS because he clearly did. Um, and I, I don't even know why you would come out with that. But yeah, uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another super chat from uh, the Gunner Down Under. Thank you so much. He says, hey, boys, would appreciate maybe a collab soon. Been chatting with Mr. Judges to link up with us. Aussies on a stream. Uh, just starting up myself. Uh, enjoy the barbecue. It would be a pleasure, mate. Uh, we'd love to come along and put Mr. Judges in his place, wouldn't we, Tom? Uh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. The flip-flop man himself. <laughs> <laughs> love you really, Judges. But yeah, uh, no, for sure, mate. Uh, let us know. It'd be nice uh, to do something like that for sure. Um, let me just take a couple more before we wrap things up. Uh, Robin Rock has mentioned Pedro Neto from Wolves. He says he believes he'd be a great addition to the project. Now, I quite like Pedro Neto, but this is one of those situations, Tom, where if we ended up with Pedro Neto now that we've been so heavily linked with Rafinha, Mm. people would probably be a little bit underwhelmed. What's your take on the player and, and how that fits into the project? Yeah, I'm obviously last season he missed so much of it because he was he was injured and he only got the one goal and the one assist. I'm just looking at his numbers now. Um but the season Prior to that, um, you know, he was so highly rated. He was being linked, I think, with Man United. Um, and when he was 20, 21 years of age, was scoring five goals, six assists in the Premier League, playing for Wolves. You know, he, he was getting into the Portuguese national sides. So, yeah, look, he's a talented kid. Um, I would worry about the injury. You know, I, I think that's a big, big worry at how that's affected him. Will he come back the same kind of player as he was before? Some players do, some don't. Um, so if it was a case of going from Rafinha to Neto, I think that the there would be 
legit concern about it going from that to that, but more so because of the injury worries, not because of the of, you know questions over his quality. If you're questioning Neto's quality, and you know I, I can't, there's no argument because he's clearly got quality. It's just it's just that worry about the the injury recovery. There are some people in the chat saying, and I'm just trying to see if I can find anything on this that mm. uh, Dembele of Barcelona is on the verge of renewing his contract. Yeah, there has been some whispers about that. Yeah. Does that, that could yeah that um, rules Barca out of Rafinha, surely? Surely, yeah. It, absolutely. If 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 but if uh, Dembele renews, I was watching something yesterday on the Spanish side of things and they were saying he's on the verge. I I don't know if it can I don't know if it spawns from you know that um and with respect, this is the AFTV of all, but you know that AF, like old AFTV Spanish TV show that, what's it called? El Trigrito? El or Chiringuito. Like, what a yeah. show. What a show. Like that, yeah, like that, just the drama of it, you know what I mean? Um, that's, I think there was a, a story that came out of that. So I don't know how realistic that is because they were obviously really on for Mbappe to Real Madrid and that never happened. So um, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> But yeah, yeah surely he's staying. Sure. If if you know, surely Rafinha is not going Barca if if Dembele because they can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I love the um the the Wengerisms about you know the Arteta's Wengerism of of getting rid of Abamyang to Barca so they can't afford to go to Rafinha. That's that's <laughs> I love that. That's great. You just get that meme of Arsene Wenger like like yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's it. superimposed Arteta's face onto him. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Look, guys, we're going to leave it there. We've been going for forty-five minutes. Uh, a big thank you uh, to everybody who's come along and joined us in the live chat box. There's so many of you with us. Over a thousand with us live right now. We got three hundred likes on the board. Come on, let's get it up to five hundred um, ASAP. Whether you're watching live, whether you're listening. Uh, back to this a little bit later on. If you're listening on the audio platforms, please do leave us a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts, and make sure uh, you get over to Tom's uh, channel. Tom, tell people when you're next uh, doing a show, mate, so people can jump on. Uh, yeah, we're doing a show this evening around six o'clock. Uh, it's our tier list series uh, on a Wednesday. Uh, I, I say on a Wednesday, you can only do so many of them with the amount of positions we're after, but today's the wide forwards tier list. So where we go through, where would everybody in the chat box rank Rafinha? Where'd they put him at the top of their tiers of like, yeah, absolutely go get him now. Or they put him in the steer, I'd steer clear of Rafinha. So it's a really engaging show with the chat box. If you'd like to get involved, then do. If not, you can see me every morning at 8am rounding up all the latest Arsenal news. Fantastic. Make sure you give Tom a follow. Make sure you subscribe to the Guna Talk and we'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal content. Until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, enjoy the sunshine. All the best. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.